Welcome to the Generous Business Owner Podcast, where business owners gain inspiration and encouragement to live a legacy, not just leave one. And now your hosts, Jeff Thomas, Alan Barnhart, and Jeff Rutt. Well, welcome to the Generous Business Owners Podcast. Today we have a very special guest, Ron Baer. Say hello to everybody, Ron. Hello there. It's great to be with you today. My name is Jeff Rutt, and I'm one of the co-hosts, and I have the privilege of interviewing and uh, hosting Ron Bear. Ron is the founder of Bear Wealth Advisors, a very successful financial advisory firm here in Lancaster County. And I'm going to just uh, turn it over to Ron. Let's kick it off. Just tell us a little bit about your early years, so, talking about your, your growing up, your faith, your journey as a a young person here in Lancaster County. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate that. I mean, because my upbringing definitely has a lot to do with where God has placed me today. I was fortunate enough to grow up in a family of faith. So, uh, you know, going to church two or three days a week, Sunday morning, Sunday evening, sometimes Wednesday nights was pretty common growing up. And I also grew up on a, um, a dairy farm. So it was drilled in me from a very young age, the value of work, getting up early, milking cows. And uh, even when I didn't want to, I look back on those with really fond memories now. At the, and, and when I was in those moments, I didn't always yeah. love it. Um, one, one thing that quickly comes to my mind is my birthday is actually on July 6th. And I think every summer on my birthday, we were either loading the barn with hay or straw. And it was one of the biggest work days of the year. And I just never really liked that growing up. But now I can look back with uh, good memories and and actually, it really helped shape who I have become today, no doubt about it. But so I am actually on our family farm now. So I'm the fifth generation on our family farm. I was able to move there back in 1999, back to our farm where I grew up. And we don't milk cows any longer, but we did do some farming and was able to raise my four children there and, uh, and still live there today. So it's been in the family since 1894. And we are honored to be stewarding it today and hope to pass that along to the next generation if, uh, if that works out, which my oldest son at this point is interested, showing some interest in farming. So we'll see how that plays out. That's awesome. So uh, how old are your kids and how, how long have you been married? I've been married this year, 27 years to Tina. So I met her. She was originally from Vermont and she came to Messiah College and I did not go to Messiah College, but her roommate was a good friend of mine. So we were able to meet through her. And so we met in 1992, got married in 1996, and we have four children. Our oldest is 24. We have three boys and a girl. So my girl is second in line. She's 21. And then we have twin boys who are 18 and we're soon to be empty nesters because they're both heading off to college come August. Wow. So let's unwind or rewind, go back a little bit, talk a little bit about your formative years, parents' influence, off to school those early years in business. Talk a little bit about that season of life. Yeah. I mean, those early years really did shape who I became. I mean, I talked about the work ethic a little bit, but I was also, it was drilled into me from a very young age, the importance of managing money. So the importance of giving, I was taught tithing from a very young age, but also saving your money. And I was, if I heard one time, I probably heard a million times growing up, save your money. And it's important to save and not just spend it. And naturally, I am built to be a little bit more of a saver and a giver. 
So that wasn't too hard for me. So I kind of grasped onto that and I worked from a young age on the farm. I had some off the farm jobs going into high school and I was able to save and accumulate and actually paid my way through college with those dollars. But from a very young age was just giving 10%. was taught to tithe and I did it faithfully. And I, I don't know that I noticed it at the time, but looking back, I see God's hands of faith on it even from a very young he yeah. always provided. I was able to pay for college as I went along and, I, and the work ethic that was drilled into me from a young age, which I started to become very thankful for, really helped because I was able to work in college and kind of pay as I go and then bring those principles into kind of my, my life, uh, foundational principles, which I would believe would be hard work and understanding that God made us to work and that work isn't a bad thing and that giving and generosity is foundational to who we are as followers of Jesus. Yeah. So it sounds like that early, those early formative years were very influential in shaping you. How do you think that translated into how you taught your four children in those areas of saving and tithing? Yeah. I mean, again, I, I tried to really provide some of the same principles to my, my children. From a young age, we had different jars or uh, different containers in the rooms and they were paid for work. I never really bought onto the allowance concept. I said, you know, you work and we'll pay you. So, uh, and then we gave them opportunities, you know, growing up on the farm, we weren't milking cows. So it wasn't like I was working with them day to day on the farm. Like I would have had that experience growing up with my, with my father and my brother working pretty much daily side by side. But, you know, we were able to do some farm projects together. We did have a poultry operation where we raised uh, chickens for Tyson foods for a number of years. We now have a, we raise some organic turkeys on our farm still to this day. But, you know, we would raise puppies and they would sell puppies and take care of them. And anytime that they would receive income or money for their work, we would talk about tithing and, and putting at least as a starting place. And I always encourage them to put a little bit more than 10% in because I, I was kind of big into like, don't make it about 10%. It's just kind of a good starting point. You know, even if it's a little bit more than that, always round up it was something I started, started teaching them at a young age to say if 10% is $20 and, you know, maybe give 25 you know, but it's your choice. You know, I tried to let them choose and then they would have a savings category and they would start accumulate that savings. And then at a certain age, I would take them down to the bank and set up a bank account for them. So they start putting some money, some of those savings dollars in bank accounts as well. So, and it's, it's ongoing conversations. Now my children are more young adult age and they, uh, of course are managing a little bit more of their financial situation without being, being involved day to day. And, you know, we just have some side conversations once in a while if they're being disciplined and, you know, with the technology change and everybody managing finances online and not balancing checkbooks, maybe the way I would have been taught, you know, it does take some intentionality to even know what, um, to set some giving goals and to make sure that they're following up what they hope to do. And, you know, but it takes some intentionality to set those things in place and be consistent with them. Yeah. Well, good for you. It's so important, I think, at that age uh, to instill those principles and the, that mindset. A lot of a lot of folks think I'll get to giving and saving later. We have to do that when I get older. So, talk a little bit about the uh, those early years after you get out of school. Talk about yeah, what was that journey like as you started your career? So. I, uh, being a frugal person, as I mentioned earlier, I decided to go to a college where I could commute to college. So I went, I lived in the very 
lie eastern edge of Lancaster County, and actually one of we were the, one of the first properties in Chester County, so just about an hour or so west of Philadelphia. And I commuted to a school in Wilmington. It was a it was a small commuter school, so I was able to, you know, save and, and kind of pay as I go, uh, you know, which I mentioned earlier. So, but my sophomore year of college, I knew pretty clearly what I wanted to do. I knew I went into school for business, and and I knew I was good with money, and I knew I wanted to help people. And those were two things that I remember standing out to me. Somebody would ask me, you know, what what do you want to do? My even my uh, girlfriend at the time, who was now my wife, but you know, we had those kinds of conversations. You know, what do you want to do when you graduate? Or and I was like, I'm not sure, but I know I'm I'm good with money, and I I want to help people. And that stood out to me, and I remember that theme. And then in my sophomore year of college, some of the money that I had accumulated, I, I had invested into some mutual funds. And I actually was lo- started losing some money on those mutual funds. I, at that point in time, I wasn't real familiar with the financial markets, but I just remember thinking like, what's going on here? Because I thought these were safe, I put in quote, safe investments. And uh, I started, you know, they weren't, they were a little bit more volatile than I realized. And this was money I was planning to use for college in the next year or two. So it actually made me really dive in to just investments in general and, and start building my knowledge on the financial markets and investment arena. And as I dove into that, it was early in my sophomore year of college, and I just became very interested in that. And I quickly switched my major to finance and knew from that stage forward that I wanted to get into the financial planning area. So I had kind of, I think it was my third semester, I kind of shifted to that and I kind of knew from that point forward, that's what I was looking to do. So then I ended up my senior year having an internship with American Express Financial Advisors at the time. They, I don't think they go by that any, any longer, but they were some of the, one of the first companies that was charging financial planning fees. So they were moving out of a commission model into more of a fee model. And I was really intrigued with that, of actually that people would pay me advice to give them, you know, pay me a fee for financial advice. And that seemed like very appealing to me. So, you know, I had that internship and then I graduated and I was offered a job at John Hancock Financial Services, which is an insurance company entering into the financial planning world. At the time, I had a friend that was working there and that's kind of where I landed in Lancaster. We, our first office was right in, you know, close to Lancaster City. And I started there in 1996. So I graduated college. I got married within a month and started my career all within about a month or two. Wow. So it was wow. a pretty intense time, but yeah. I look back on that with, uh, they were good years. It's interesting that you, you mentioned that you invested in some mutual funds and they actually, some of them actually lost money and it got your attention to say, oh, I thought this was a quote unquote safe investment. It's interesting that that caught your attention and actually potentially drew you into looking into it a little bit deeper and maybe even caused uh, your, a little bit of the trajectory of your journey. Yeah, it was really the starting of really the, a lot of research. And then the more I read about mutual funds and stock market and financial instruments, I just was really interested in that. And uh, so it was what God used at that time to really draw my interest into that financial part. I knew I wanted to get more general business at first, and it, it's what really shifted me to have a little bit more of a financial focus. Yeah. And I didn't think I wanted to work for big corporate America, and, and I didn't want to work on Wall Street. And I think going back to the story I shared where I wanted to help people yeah. and I knew I had the foundation of solid financial principles in, in place for my upbringing, when I was you know, studying what financial planning is and personal finance, I became very intrigued. Yeah. So talk about the next shift then. 
you're not working for John Hancock anymore. Yeah. So I was there. I ended up being there for five years and they were the early days. They were challenging years because I was given a little bit of training. And I remember very early on, they said, make a list of a hundred people that you know, and go talk to them to see if they're interested. So this is your friends and family, you know, I'm 22 years old, right out of college with no experience. I look back on that. I just laugh now. I'm like, who is going to trust me to make, manage their financial affairs and investment at 22 with no experience. But thankfully a few people did. And I remember there was like a revolving door at John Hancock. They were bringing people in. And as soon as you get to know a few people, they were leaving. And I mean, it was just unbelievable how many people came and went, but you know, I just know God just always provided enough early, just the right client, just enough to keep things moving along. And um, it was really, and I back to God's faithfulness for, for being generous and giving. I see that can, I didn't make the connection then, but I see it clearly now that that was something even in lean years, those early years, my, of course, we didn't have children at the time. So my wife was working as well. She had a marketing degree. So that was helpful because I wasn't making a whole lot of money at the time. And, but it just, we just always had enough. And then the other thing that happened that was, and it goes back to the work ethic, you know, well, so when I was in college, I, uh, I got a job at Service Star Hardware and they're no longer, I think in business, but it was at the main distribution center in Parksburg, Pennsylvania. And I worked the four to midnight shift, you know, several days a week, which was not the most fun job I ever had, but I did that on weekends and, you know, a few days during the week to, to earn that. I thought it was good money at the time. I think they were paying me nine or $10 an hour, which back then I thought was pretty good. And uh, that helped me of course, pay through college. But then what happened was service star closed that uh, distribution plant closed their doors, but I was able to build enough relationships at that time that uh, when they closed their doors, some of those individuals needed to make decisions on what to do with their 401k and pension plans that the company had. And I was able to work with a, a few of those individuals in that transition. And that really got my career off and running wow. because at those point that was, and it goes again, if I wasn't willing to work hard in college and, and put that effort in and make those relationships, you know, I don't know what would have happened in those early years because it really was what got me up and running and really fairly successful in those early years at John Hancock. Well, that also ties back to your desire early on to help people as well. Mm -hmm. good, good with money, help people. So what happened next? What take us to the next step after? So what happened there? I was there a number of years and there, you know, there was certain, I think there was something stirring in my heart. I, I wouldn't have said I ever had a goal to go out and start my own financial planning. But I did know I wanted to do things the right way. And I was always pretty value driven, certainly not perfect in that, but I wanted to make decisions and run a business and run, give advice that best aligned with my values. And I think after time went on a number of years, I, I was like, is this, am I able to really accomplish what I want to be able to do here at a very large organization? And it wasn't like they were doing anything unethical at all. They were a very solid company. They've been around a long time, but I just felt like to really accomplish the type of advice that I wanted to be able to give and it, from an independent standpoint, maybe I need to make a shift. And uh, so that kind of stirred in my heart. And actually, I, I didn't even think about this, but they, at that point in time, they moved their office over to really close to where Jeff, your office would be there on Granite Run Drive. Okay. So I yeah. remember, I mean, probably the building next door. I mean, I can almost visualize it. And I went in there and I said, you know what, I'm going to hand in a resignation and 
there was a local financial planning firm that are still friends today that I would say are fellow kingdom advisors that are still in practice today that uh, were just a few years ahead of me. The one partner there was friends with my brother and I reached out to him for some advice to make that transition. And they agreed to even help me through that transition. So I'm very grateful for them. And I just like, now's the time. But I remember we were expecting our second child at the time. So my wife was pregnant. So it was kind of even things like, you know, how are we going to have health insurance? You know, all my clients are going to need to stay at John Hancock. I'm not going to be able to bring them along unless they reach out to me. Right. So it was definitely a risk. And you would have been how old? At, you would have been at what age at this? Yeah, I was about five years in. So we're talking about, you know, 1990, that would have been 26 years old. Yeah. At the time. So I had a few years, maybe 27. Yeah, I guess I was 27. So I had a few years of experience under my belt. And, uh, and so when I started it, I, again, I go back to my farming days. I, I had enough experience at the time to know that farmers needed um, some financial planning help, especially helping pass farms from one generation to the next. And it's very common in the farm community for the farm families to have most of their wealth tied up into the family farm. So, you know, navigating through the transition of that farm, what's a good price? Because if, if the value is a million dollars for that farm and the next generation really can't afford to pay a million dollars to keep it as a farming operation, you know, how do we navigate that for the family? You know, what's enough for the exiting generation? What's affordable for the entering generation? And on top of that, if there's other siblings involved, what do the parents want to do for their other siblings to keep yeah. things fair and equitable? And the tax planning around that, you know, yeah. so all of that, I began to see that there was a real need for there. As in addition to that, there were some farmers that were preser- uh, preserving their farms. They were going through the farmland preservation, and sometimes they were receiving, maybe for the first time in their lives, liquid funds that they need to make a decision with on how to invest or what to, you know, how to incorporate that into their planning. So I said, well, starting this business, I know farming, I know financial planning. I'm just going to go talk to as many farmers as possible and farm seminars or events where we could, you know, kind of talk to people. So I would go, I mean, I remember even being at an outdoor event, maybe down your way, Jeff, at your farm, there was some kind of event out in the field with a big tent and there was booths out there. And, you know, and I just, so I would just go to those types of things and try to talk to farmers and say, Hey, I'm here to help. If you, if you, if you need some assistance navigating through some of these decisions. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of decisions to navigate through. There's a lot to navigate there, especially you have siblings, you have someone who's worked on the farm for a lot of years, and you have, you know, there's there's a lot of needs there. So that was the part of the basis for getting your, your new venture kicked off. That's right. So it really yeah. was. I mean, that's where I started. And I, I, I mean, I spoke at different farm events. So there were different farm organizations that would have me come in and and speak, I would, you know, it's almost funny. I look back on my life sometimes because I would have been, you know, when I was young and in high school and even college, like public speaking was terrifying. It, I mean, I would literally lose sleep for a day or two before I would have to give a speech. And then, you know, I just did it and I just pushed myself enough to do it that it became more natural. And I got to the point where I would rather do public speaking than I would pick up the phone and making calls to people just to try oh. to find business. So, it was the lesser of two evils, I guess you could say. And uh, so I just started speaking at different events. And again, God just always provided enough. I remember that was 2001 when I left John Hancock and uh, went and started Bear Wealth Advisor. So it was May of 01. And, you know, I just remember just, you know, in 01, 02, you know, there was enough. There was just enough. A few clients came over. 
just enough work. But I do remember sitting in my office some days and, you know, and just kind of wondering, boy, what am I going to do today? <laughs> you know, there just wasn't a whole lot to do. I, I don't have that problem anymore, Jeff, but there's always plenty to do. But, uh, you know, it was really, you know, foundational years. And uh, again, God, you know, the principle of faithfulness in scripture, I've just seen it over and over again in my life to be faithful with, with whatever's in your hands, even if it's a small amount. Yeah. Be yeah. faithful there, do what's right for people and God will provide yeah. and entrust you with more. Yeah. Wow. That's powerful. That's a good word. So Ron, talk a little bit about the, the growth of the business and then some challenges that you saw along the way. Yeah. Tell us a little bit more about that journey. Yeah. So the 01, it started. And then of course, you know, later in 2001, for those of us that were old enough, certainly remember 9-11 and there were challenging times and, you know, it was just me. So it wasn't like I had a team to rely on and process things. And it was me advising the clients that I did have and through some challenging times. And of course, top of 9-11, we had the, the tech bu- boom and bust around those years. And so they were some challenging economic as well as just, you know, just trying times in general. But, you know, moving forward, we just, uh, we started growing. I think I hired my first assistant in probably 03, 04. And my first full-time person came on in 05. And that was the year we, we, um, tying that into family in 2004, we had, my wife was pregnant. We actually had, had twins. So, uh, we had our third and fourth child all at one time. And at that point I was still working in the home office off the, right off of the house. And I said, you know what? I need to get out of the house <laughs> with twins and four children. There was only one door separating me from uh, the kitchen and a whole bunch of chaos. And uh, so I said, uh, what we did since we uh, were no longer milking cows on the farm, we took our milk house and we, we made it into my office. Okay. So at least it was out the driveway a little bit. So Ooh. I could walk to work in the morning and it was, uh, we made it a two room office where I could have a conference room and an office. And then we, by then we hired our first full-time person who's still with us today. He's actually a partner in the firm. So, um, really thankful for Curtis, who was my partner to come on board and, and, um, right away he pr- proved a lot, uh, brought a lot of value and wisdom and just, um, and he learned the business from the ground up and really was been there since the early years. So that happened in 05. And then we ended up being in the milk house for a few years and just again, kept, kept growing. And then we moved into, uh, from there, we moved into, uh, a ranch house that was right at the end of our farm property that's on the road. And I said, you know, it'd be a good place to do that. And I'd be able to walk the kids to the bus every morning and get them on the bus and go to work. And, uh, so we ended up being out there for a number of years. And, um, again, every, every step along the way, just saw God's faithfulness as he, um, just provided. That's awesome. And you just did. took uh, little steps. You just took little steps. Your first year right outside the kitchen. Then you went to the bell cast. Then you went to the end of the driveway. That's right. Then what, and then what, where was next after that? So after that, you know, I'll tell you, one of the big, one of the struggle we had and a real challenge, um, which uh, was back in 2008, nine, some people refer to it as a great recession. So we moved to that house, I think right around 2008, sometime in that window. So, you know, those were difficult years. Uh, you know, with the, the business was becoming, getting some traction. So we had, you know, a number of clients by then. And, you know, I do take it pretty seriously to do what's right by our clients. You know, you want to see them do well. You want to see them be able to accomplish the goals that they have, um, 
we, we're big on aligning wealth with, with the values of our clients. And of course you want them, to, you, you want to make money too. Like if you're going to invest dollars for clients, you want them to do well. And 2008 was a challenging year. I mean, the markets from top to bottom, uh, were down over 50% and it became a very long grueling process of, of saying the same thing over and over again, which we believed it, you know, keep a long-term perspective. They diversified, you know, give it time, you know, and, and, and really think long-term and stay the course. But, you know, after doing that for a year, year and a half uh, during challenging times, that wasn't easy. Uh, but thankfully, most of our clients took that advice. And then on top of that, when Lehman Brothers failed, so if you were around in 2008, I think it was in the fall, October of 2008, Lehman Brothers actually collapsed. One of our core money market holdings that was, that was in all of our brokerage accounts at the time was a reserve fund. And they had some Lehman Brothers holdings. And so that was the first money market to actually what they use the term break the buck. And they froze the asset. So this was on top of a, a long drawn out market downturn, you know, lots of conversations around that with clients. Now the money market's frozen. And I, I got to the point where at that point I was like, I mean, I'm just ready to throw in the towel. You know, is this even something that God, I thought God has called me to that. There's a story, story earlier I could refer to about where I really feel like God called me into this industry. But, you know, I was starting to have second thoughts and doubts around that. And, uh, but to stay the course. And actually, what really got used at that time was in 2009. So, February of 2009, I went to my very first Kingdom Advisors conference. So, Kingdom Advisors is an organization that was started by Larry Burkett, Larry Burkett and Ron Blue in the early years. And then Ron Blue really became the president and CEO after Larry passed away. And it has now become, you know, a national organization. We were just at a conference last you know, two weeks ago in Orlando that over two, over 2,000 advisors from all over the country gather once a year just to receive a lot of wisdom from a lot of great teachers, but with a mission to provide biblical financial counsel to our clients and take God's word and apply it to our lives. So I went to my first conference in 2009, and I remember very early on in that conference, it was in Atlanta, Georgia, sitting around a table with other advisors and just being so encouraged. I didn't know any of them, and I could I don't even know any of their names today, but I just remember hearing some of their stories and being encouraged that day. And it was just, just what I needed. And then one of the first speakers of that conference used a term that we really, that really resonated with me. And we still use today at Bear Wealth Advisors. And the, the speaker, I think he was a pastor, started talking about how as financial counselors, you have the opportunity to talk to your clients about things that I rarely have the opportunity to talk to them about. Things like giving decisions, you know, where are you giving? What's it look like? You know, how, how much are you going to give and planning for estate planning and death and family relationships. And he's called us, it was a term he used, and I remember it very vividly. He said, you are pastors of finance. And as soon as he said it, it resonated with me because it goes back to an earlier story on my journey. After I left John Hancock in 2001, I, um, I was with, I think it was around 04, 05, I was in a discipleship program with my pastor at the time. And he took us, a few of us guys through a year-long discipleship program to be kind of trained to be some of the next leaders of the church, maybe elders or deacons or so forth. And at the end of that one-year period, he asked a few of us even to kind of preach on a Sunday morning. And so he had asked me to do that. And at that point, I got over my hurdle of, you know, being afraid of public speaking. I figured if nothing else, preaching would get take care of that once and for all. 
<laughs> so um, I did, and you know, it was a, it was a great stretching experience for me. A great, you know, God used it in my life to help me grow. But at the end of that program, then this kind of was like one of those moments where just God stopped me in my tracks. It's, you know, my pastor at the time had my wife and I over for dinner, and I was like, well, I'm not sure what this is about. Maybe it's just time to get together. But after we were done having dinner, I said, Ron. I have a real goal and God put into my heart to plant a church in Chester County because we were from Chester County. And I feel prompted to ask you to be the pastor of this church plant. Okay. So this was probably in 2004 or five, probably 2005. And I mean, I did not see that coming. So I was a few years into my career at Bear Wealth Advisors now, just getting that up and running. And, but it was a time of tremendous spiritual growth in my life. So I was just like, okay, if this is what God wants me to do, my answer is going to be, yes, sir. You know, that's what God wants me to do. I'm going to do it. So it, it took about a month or two, I'm sure over a month, just to really spend time in diligent prayer in God's word. My wife and I really were just praying daily about it. And it began to feel like maybe that's not what God was calling me into, but you know, you're trying to discern, okay, it's one of those moments in life where you're like, God, I really want to know. Now, what, what are you asking of me here? And, uh, but I was still feeling like, man, I feel like he has a reason he pulled me into this world of finance. And so I was starting to believe that. And then I was helping my dad on the farm because my dad was still running the farm work at the time. So I was in a tractor actually, and had the radio on. I don't know if I was plow, disc and plowed, who knows what I was doing, but on WDAC radio, the program that came on that day. They said, the next guest is going to talk about how no matter what we do in life for our jobs, we do not have to be pastors to serve the Lord. You can do that in any career that you're in. And they didn't mention financial advisor, but they mentioned three or four different occupations. But I took that to be a final confirmation. I was like, okay, this is the path you have me on the Lord, this area of finance. And it's not just something I'm interested in now. I would say that was the first time I felt like, okay, God is calling me. And then when I heard that pastor at the Kingdom Advisors Conference talk about being pastors of finance, it connected immediately back to that point in time. And from there, we've been kind of all in at Bear Wealth Advisors on being excellent in our field and just certainly knowing our industry and the expertise that we need to know, but also to be pastors um, and mentors in this area of applying God's work to people's lives. Because God's word says a lot about money. And I think it's over 2,000, 2,300 times God's word references yeah. wealth or money in scripture. So it's an important topic, and we want to make sure that we're helping our clients live out those principles. Wow, that is really powerful. And that was, so pastors of finance, we, we're, we're probably going to come back to that. You've probably used that a time or two, and that's a, I can tell that's a really deep calling on your life. And you, you were out and filing the fields in the tractor, hearing, the, hearing God's word, and he really spoke to you through that. So what year was that? that you heard that pastor was that in the 09 that was at the 09 conference yep okay. my very first kingdom so, in february of 09 and that was about the low point of the market i was just going to so, say that that was that was there was still some some tough times and and that's a lot of times i know our listeners can relate to everybody goes through struggles and challenges and you know roadblocks and i if you could just unpack that a little bit more what where where was your head at you know i know you said you were repeating over and over hang in there you're investing for the long term. And sometimes as an advisor, you have to say that a lot of times before you believe it. <laughs> That's true. You're right. And again, doubting yourself sometimes. Well, yeah. And it's really when you're in those times. So 
talk a little bit more about what got you through that kind of low point in your career. I remember those years well. I mean, I, I do remember a couple things come to mind. Faithfully, just still giving. I remember being conscious of that and saying, wow, it'd be easy to pull back here, but let's just keep pushing forward and be faithful with that calling on our lives. Uh, my wife, Tina, was very supportive at that time. She understood the kind of pressure that I was under and, uh, and felt, because I, I do feel that kind of pressure, wanting to do what's right by people. So she was very supportive. And just going to the Lord, it was a time, of, I look back on it as a time of growth in my, in my life, in my faith journey as well. But I do remember some really special moments with my family as well. I remember there's one evening, I remember in the very middle of it, being out on the driveway between our house and barn, just playing like pickup football, like throwing the football around with my kids. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, my oldest at that point would have only been, you know, 10 or 11. But, you know, throwing the football around and thinking that this is, this is real life right here. And uh, these are people I love and I'm with. And just those things that matter most became uh, very important to me. And honestly, our clients were very supportive as well. I remember one time coming out of a meeting and a couple just stopped and asked, how are you doing? Yep. (laughs) And uh, it actually meant a lot to me, uh, obviously, because I remember it pretty vividly. And I was like, you know, I'm doing good, but it has been hard. I opened up a little bit with them and they just laid hands on me and prayed for me. Oh, those things, God would just send people like, like that. And just to, to encourage me at the, at the right time Yeah, just to keep plowing forward and push through the hard times and be faithful with, even if it felt like small steps of faithfulness day to day, it wasn't week by week at that point. It was day to day. Yeah. Pastors of finance. That's awesome. So Ron heading down the home stretch here. Talk a little bit about Bear Wealth Advisors today. Talk a little bit about how you view generosity and how you tie that together with what you do at Bear Wealth. Yeah. So some of that it has, goes back to my own journey of, of trying to be a faithful, generous person and applying God. There's so much scripture relating to generosity in the scriptures, you know, and I, one of my favorite is uh, where it talks about in 2 Corinthians 8, 7, I believe it is, that talks about just as you would excel in your faith and your speech and your knowledge, also excel in your grace of giving. So I often go back to that verse and know that if you're going to excel in anything in life, it is going to take some intentional steps, effort, some planning, some work. It's not something that may come naturally. We might be naturally gifted at anything in life, but to excel in something, you have to put some effort into it. And then there's so many promises in scripture that talk about the generous person will prosper and God will take care of the generous person. And second or first Timothy six, 17 to 19, teaching those who are rich in this world, not to be proud and trust in money, but to be generous and to be ready to share, you know, those scriptures just have become part of who we are at Bear Wealth Advisors. And I believe because it isn't a topic that a lot of people talk freely about and open with, even what's closest around them that we are in a very privileged seat as financial counselors, financial advisors to hear our clients' stories of generosity. And we hear hundreds of those stories and then we can see God's hand of faithfulness in it as we meet with clients. In some ways, we're like, we have to steward these stories in some way because they're so important. So we just, we have now believed that it's one of the most, if not the most important part of somebody's financial decision-making is that generosity decision right off the get-go. So it's just, uh, there's something supernatural about it. 
that there's like a hand of blessing on God. And that's, we all know that's not why we give, but, but it is part of how God works. And I, I think a second Corinthians eight that talks about the farmers going out and sowing seeds and those who will sow generously will reap generously and God will provide an abundance to those who sow generously. And it's not so that we can just enjoy it for ourselves. That's certainly part of it. We are free to enjoy, but those scriptures all go back to the context of to be a blessing to others and that God's going to provide abundantly more than we can ask or imagine as we live a life of generosity. And, you know, obviously that goes well beyond finances. It goes to our time and our relationships and our expertise and the information we have. You know, there's so many different ways to be generous. But we are in the financial world, so we love to talk. It's one of our core values. And we have just, it's become about who we, part of who we are. Pretty much any new client that we work with, we ask questions around generosity. You know, why is that, is that important to you? Do you have some giving goals? Do much more in-depth questions to like what kind of causes or what kind of impact do you want to have? And we just love to talk about that area of finance and just kind of, kind of draw out what's inside of individuals to in that area of generosity. So it's become part of who we are. And we try to train our advisors that way to just have natural conversations of generosity and to encourage it. Obviously, it's for our clients to decide. They're stewarding the resources and they need to take these questions to the Lord. But they need it. I, we believe that as advisors surround them, if they surround themselves with advisors that are like-minded, you know, we can kind of help them discern and ask the right questions so that they can, they can get the right answers. Wow. Masters of Finance is coming alongside of your clients, helping them excel in their grace of giving. That's so awesome. So how many advisors at Bear Wealth today? Yeah, we soon to be seven. We have a younger advisor that's uh, entering, uh, has been doing some of our financial planning, but he'll be an advisor this year. So that'll be number seven. And we just hired a few more part of our admin team here the last number of weeks. So there's a team of 16 of us now. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, God has certainly blessed you and Bear Wealth, and you guys have been such an incredible encouragement to your clients. And I can just tell it's it's uh, it comes from the heart, and it's just uh, inspiring and just encouraging to to hear your journey, some of the struggles you've been through, how God's blessed you, and how you have just been open handed about sharing that with others, and just being an incredible master. Pastor of finance. Uh, so let's finish up, just finishing up. Love to ask folks, what's a practical tip that you would share with uh, our listeners? You know, somebody's walking the dog, running on the treadmill, listening, listening in into the podcast saying, Hey, what's one practical tip I could pick up from Ron today? Yeah, I'd like to answer that. I like to tee it up by just saying as business owners, though, we have a tremendous opportunity to be invited into the work that God's calling us into, to work with God. Sometimes it's easy to think about working for God, but I think God's really inviting us in to say, let's work together as you run your business from a kingdom perspective. And the impact that that can make on our culture, um, on our communities is really a unique opportunity. So in the hard times, I would just encourage any business owner listening today to to think about how God has placed us in a unique position to bring kingdom principles into the marketplace. And I think of Jesus teaching on marketplace and finance, it's all over the parables and it's a unique opportunity. So then I would turn it around to say, with that in mind, what comes to my mind is a few questions. Number one, based on what God has given me, 
what would he have what is he asking me to do because he's entrusting us with much you know so we have to ask ourselves what would god have me to do with what he's entrusted to me and what does it look like to excel in my grace of giving mm-hmm. and i think when it comes to the giving area just maybe practical real practical every year sit down if you're married with your spouse if not, just take some time alone with the Lord and really ask yourself, what would it look like to excel in our grace of giving as we enter into this next year? At least do that on an annual basis and take a step of faith every year in the area of generosity. Something that makes you at least a little bit uncomfortable to say, I need to trust God to be able to do that. Yeah. And I, from my position and hearing the stories from our clients over many years now, I believe God's going to show up. And you'll be more and more encouraged each year to take that next step of faith. And if you do that year in and year out, you're going to wake up one day and you're going to have all kinds of stories to share to other people. Wow, that's really powerful. You were a, a master pastor of finance, Ron. I'd love that. Uh, just be a little uncomfortable as you excel in your grace of giving. And yeah, encouraging to just to, just take that round up as you talk about a little bit. <laughs> right. And as you, as you taught your family. Well, Ron, it's been a pleasure uh, having you on the Generous Business Owners podcast and uh, just really appreciate you as a friend, as a comrade in giving and ex-dairy farmers. What can I say? That's right. Uh, that's right. Uh, not that often I get to to rub shoulders with somebody that's used to get up and getting up very early in the morning uh, to uh, yes. bovines. I, I, that's one thing I don't do quite as early as I used to is get up yeah. early. <laughs> 4.35 o'clock has turned into 6 a.m. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you, Ron, for joining the podcast today. And uh, thank you to all of our listeners for joining in to hear uh, Ron's story on the Generous Business Owners Podcast. Thanks. It's been an honor to be here. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Generous Business Owner Podcast with Jeff Thomas, Alan Barnhart, and Jeff Rutt. Make sure to follow the podcast so you don't miss an episode. You can find the guest contact information in the show notes. Stay tuned for the next episode.